Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. And you are listening to our end of year, end of 2020, 150th episode of Delta Dispatches. Thank you for joining us on this journey. And maybe you're only listening for the first time, but we've done 150 of these before. <laughs> You have a lot to catch up on and and we're excited, you know, to kind of close out this year as I'm, I'm sure many um, people are, you know, put a nice bow around it, put be it back somewhere it. deep in the closet, never to, to be seen again. So, you know, um, I will say though, Simone, we have, you know, had a lot of great shows, a lot of great guests on uh, Delta Dispatches this year. So really huge thanks to all of our guests who've helped us cover so many topics as it relates to Louisiana's coast and all the issues that intersect with it. And then thanks to our listeners, you know, we've gotten feedback from you all. We've heard um, about your favorite episodes. So it really is just heartwarming that like after 150 episodes, you're still with us, you're still listening, you're still engaging. And we appreciate that. Yeah. Occasionally I have to go through and, and look through past episodes and, and I'm reminded, oh, I forgot about that, that book or that article that came out. And, and it's uh, nice to talk to those people. But for folks like our next guest, it's nice to keep a conversation going with them. We, we learn a lot about them uh, the more times they appear on the show. So uh, for those one time guests and for those steady, um, so steady folks, uh, I enjoy both both aspects of that. Absolutely. And speaking of, you know, just progress in 2020, despite an enormity of hurdles, right? We've had, of course, as we've talked about on the show, um, the pandemic, we've had numerous hurricanes, so many other um, things happening this year, but there's been tremendous progress in terms of the work that's being done to restore and protect coastal Louisiana projects being constructed, you know, on the ground, large projects. And so, Really excited to dig into that progress, despite all the odds, right, you know, um, that has happened this year on Louisiana's coast. So why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest for the show? I'm certainly pleased to have Greg Grandy back on the show. Greg is the Deputy Director of the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. He is gaining on the supposed avid listener, um, Chip Klein. And so we are more than happy to have Greg back on the show, um, not just to get his numbers up, but also to be on this milestone episode. Greg, you can add that badge to your scout uniform that you made 150 with this. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. And I, Simone, I want to cr- congratulate you on being an LWCC Louisiana champion. Oh, uh, very, very well-deserved, uh, all the work you do in Louisiana. And and it's just a pleasure to work with you uh, and, and all the partners we work with across Louisiana. That was not in the show doc, Greg, that we sent, but, but thank you for saying that. Um, you, was, you're welcome. <laughs> it was a beautifully shot video. Um, and I am very grateful for my friends that I had to tell, um, by the way, there's a camera crew tagging along with us today. I I hope you don't mind. So to Todd Baker and and lots of my friends, uh, Katie Freer over at, at CPRA, um, thank you for making those cameo appearances with me as well. Thanks for enduring the paparazzi for a little bit. Greg, we, Jack and I were just talking, you heard us and, and you know it, right? 2020 has been a doozy, but I hope 
let's talk about your family. You and your family have been safe. Well, kids. Okay. Family are doing well. My, my daughter's uh, back from college. So it's, uh, it's uh, nice to have a full house again uh, with this was uh, kind of our, our, my wife and I, it's, it's, uh, our, our sort of second year of having an empty nest. Uh, and it's, it's been a challenging, uh, year from, from a, both a family standpoint, but also a work standpoint. Uh, and, and as, as I look back on, on 2020 from a coastal standpoint, uh, I, I kind of look at it almost as sort of three different acts. The, the very first part of the year that we had, uh, was, was things were really, we were getting great momentum. Um, the, the, First three months of the year before we, we moved into COVID times, uh, we had the the great celebration on Queen Bess, uh, the announcement on the Morapaw from the Restore funding that came. The annual plan was moving through its process. Uh, so really just a great start of the year. And then COVID hit. And uh, our staff has done a tremendous job uh, dealing with working remotely, um, uh some people in the office, some people out of the office, but we've really kept a great operational tempo to the work that we've done. We challenged our staff that, look, when we work remote, we want to keep this tempo. We've got a great momentum and they have responded tremendously. And we see that now with projects moving into construction, projects completing construction. Uh, we just had a tremendous year. Uh, we've advanced 112 projects and 49 of those were, were in construction this year. So just really, really proud of, of all the folks that we collaborate with here, Baton Rouge, Thibodeau, New Orleans, uh, and Lafayette. Greg, that takes a tremendous amount of leadership to, to keep a ship as big as yours headed in the right direction and, and moving as, as it should, right? There was, there was no real pause. And so that takes tremendous leadership from, from your team and, and from your division leads to make sure that the staff had what they needed at home, that they felt comfortable either at home or going to work. And so sometimes we overlook that aspect in what CPRA does is because we just talk about the work, but how many employees do y'all have there? About 150, right? We've got about 150. It, it kind of uh, ebbs and flows a little bit, but and I, I've got to give uh, particular credit to to the chiefs that we have: Rudy Semino, the chief of our engineering section; Andrew Bell, the chief of project management; Ignacio Haruch uh, of of operations and management, and uh, Brian Lazina from the planning section. Uh, they they've done a tremendous job at the section level. Uh, and then all the other folk, the, the folks that work in the section have taken personal accountability uh, and, and done tremendous work uh, on those. And, you know, e even during uh, the holiday times when uh, when people are taking time off of work, our contractors are working 24 seven. So we've got uh, we've got to make sure that that our staff who are responsible for those projects, that we've got coverage on all those projects going on around the coast. Right now, we've got dredges working at Grand Isle 24 seven. Rabbit Island, Trinity Island, uh, and Northwest Turtle Bay. So, you know, the, those folks, and, and we appreciate the contractors who are out there doing this work, and we appreciate them doing the hard work to keep themselves safe from COVID and taking personal responsibility for all the employees as well. So it, it's, uh, it, it's a team effort to get these projects built. So, Greg, you mentioned 112 projects, uh, almost 50 in construction. Is that some kind of record for you guys? Yeah, this is this is the most work we've ever done, and and largely, uh, it's a result of the the funding from BP oil spill, along with funding that we had in the past from GoMesa and Quickbra and other programs. But it's it's that injection of funding, and as we look at the the settlement from BP, really 
happened in 2016, and it took a took a little time for those organizations like the Louisiana TIG and the Restore Council to get organized and up and running. And so now we're we're three, four years past that. And these projects take anywhere from two to four years to get through design. So we're really going to see in the next few years, things start to ramp up. And I'll, I'll give you just a couple of uh, statistics from a dredging standpoint. Between 2015 and 2018, CPRA averaged one and a half projects a year at 4 million cubic yards. Between 2019 and 2021, we're going to see 15 projects, dredging projects for a total of 71 million cubic yards get advertised. So not only more projects, but significantly larger projects across the coast. That's really incredible progress. And uh, I think you all kind of really um, emulate the motto, can't stop, won't stop. So great progress on a number of fronts. Uh, let's talk, Greg, about some of these specific projects. Maybe let's start kind of in the, the Terrebonne, uh, Jefferson yeah, Parish are. region. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we've I'll got, wait. you know, Queen Bess was a huge project. That was a huge success. Um, Terrebonne Barrier Island project, Caminata Headland Back Barrier Marsh Creation. So what's going on in the kind of Terrebonne, Jefferson um, vicinity? So uh, in in the kind of Terrebonne, Jefferson, you've got the the Terrebonne Barrier Island project. Uh, Right now, the dredge is working on Trinity Island. Uh, After that, uh, it will either move back to West Bell to finish that off or over to Timbalier Island. Uh, in the Lafouche area, uh, the Caminata Headland Back Barrier Marsh creation, a little over a thousand acres. Uh, they're building containment right now and anticipate dredging uh, sometime in the uh, the third quarter of 2021. Uh, over in Jefferson Parish, right now we're working on. Uh, there's a dredge on Grand Isle, rebuilding the dune w- that was impacted uh, during the year and, and putting some sand on the beach. Uh, this this will give uh, kind of some immediate. Um, protection for the folks who are who are on Grand Isle, and then West Grand Terre uh, should be moving into construction uh, very early next year. Uh, that we anticipate the dredge will be out there uh, building sand, building uh, dredging sand, building the beach and dune, uh, placing some uh, some rock along the the bay shoreline to protect that shoreline once it's in construction. So a lot going on over there in Northwest Turtle Bay. I almost forgot that uh, that one's uh, it's been in construction for a while. We actually expanded the project. It's going to be a little over 1,100 acres of marsh. That's in Jefferson Parish, just uh, south and west of Lafitte. Greg, do you you just rattled off so many things that I know you know these projects inside and out. Do you have some kind of trick to understanding which project is which? And because um, that that's just what's going to construction or in construction. You know, we can talk about Morapa and diversions and all these things that are um, going to be underway. There, there's got to be some kind of trick for you knowing which project is which and where. <laughs> it's uh, well, there's a lot going on, and it's just it's just every day coming in and working on these. It's it's um, you you work on these projects enough that they're it's like a member of your family almost, and you uh, you you get to know them uh, intimately. You you get to know uh, kind of all all the pieces about them, and uh, and it's having great staff that that provides all the information you need to know and and keeps it at your fingertips. So shifting a little bit from Simone's neck of the woods to my neck of the woods, let's talk a little bit about some of the projects that are you know upcoming that have been approved for the St. Bernard Plaquemines area. I, I saw that the Lake Bourne Marsh Creation um, was approved recently. And is it correct to say that that'll be one of the largest marsh creation projects in the state's history? That'll be the largest uh, by, by acreage. 
from a marsh creation standpoint, uh, kind of along the the, the south um, the southeast rim of uh, of Lake Bourne, between the Mister Go and Lake Bourne, sort of near the Shell Beach um, area. Uh, just a, um, again, a tremendous project. I, I anticipate that'll go out to bid probably uh, first or late first or early second quarter of next year. And then a project that we just put out to bid. Um, uh, it's the largest project by volume, the Spanish Pass project. Again, this is in, in uh, the Barataria Basin. Um, the Barrow area is, uh, is just south of Venice. Uh, and we'll be building uh, Martian Ridge as, as part of this project. Uh, I want to say a little over 1,600 acres of, uh, of Martian Ridge that'll be constructed as part of this project. Um, and that, that was a challenging project because it's a very, that's a very active part of the river. A lot of navigation uh, that, that goes on in that part of the river. The, basically, the whole world passes by uh, Venice with these, with these huge uh, vessels that come through. So uh, a, a lot of stakeholders that were, were very interested in that project. And of course, we can't forget, I mean, at the beginning of 2020, there was a big announcement about a very important project, uh, the Restore Council approving um, $130 million in, in uh, Deepwater Horizon oil spill settlement dollars for the river reintroduction into Moripah Swamp Project. So tell us a little bit about that project. Um, it's a little, it's different than some of the ones we've been talking about, but but very important for that swamp. Sure. This is a, it's a, a freshwater reintroduction uh, off of the Mississippi River uh, up in the the St. James, St. John the Baptist area, and this is a project. It's uh, I, I think of it as a companion to the West Shore Levee project. So our team has been working really closely uh, with uh, with our partners on this, the Corps of Engineers, to make sure that we integrate the two projects. And basically, about a third of the footprint of the West Shore Levee project is immediately adjacent to where the channel for the Moripaw diversion would be. So uh, the state is actually taking the lead on the design of the levee, levee features, and we anticipate going into uh, to construction and, and hopefully constructing those together. Uh, we're working real closely uh, with, with our partners on the core, not, not only on the design of our, our portion, but they're designing the other portions, and we're working with the punch. Uh, the Pontchartrain Levy District on uh, on acquiring land and access for the the areas. So uh, a lot of really good work. The the collaboration is probably the best we've ever had, and just great great teams working together um, to to advance this project. And uh, really have to give a, a shout out to Colonel Murphy and and uh, Mark Wingate. Uh, we had a, a tremendous leadership meeting a couple of weeks ago where we sat down and had a workshop on both both portions of the project uh, and have a really great integrated team that, that's working hard to deliver this project. So, Greg, um, that's great to talk about all those those different projects, but we certainly don't want to miss some of the things that are happening um, to specific um, like uh, natural resources, right? And, and y'all do that through post-BP dollars, um, the natural resource damage assessment, which goes through TIG. But those projects specifically address some kind of injury that happened during the spill. So I think this year alone, y'all were close to $205 million on a variety of different projects. Can you tell us more about how that TIG process works and how those projects are are in the same vein as these other restoration projects that you're working on. Sure. So, there, as part of the oil spill, there were there were injuries to to uh, specific areas, and um, 
specific uh, populations, oysters, uh, birds. We talked about the Queen Bess project a little bit earlier uh, and and uh, the dredging that's going on right now on its sister project, the Rabbit Island project out in Cameron Parish. So those are projects that are they're designed to restore injuries to the bird populations that were out there. And I can tell you specifically the Queen Bess project, I, I was fortunate, uh, one, one of our collaborators that you talked about earlier, uh, Wildlife and Fisheries, Todd Baker, invited me out this summer uh, to do some tagging on pelicans and just to see the response of the birds uh, to the project that was built out there. You design these projects with certain goals in mind to provide nesting habitat for birds to restore for the injury that happened as part of the oil spill to see the, the population of birds out there that, that actually came back and nested was just extraordinary. And it wasn't just brown pelicans. There were herons, there were ibis, I, I've, birds that, I, that I, I've never been able to see that close before, but they responded tremendously to what we did. So it's birds, it's uh, marine mammals, and the TIG set aside funding to uh, provide funding for the Marine Mammal Stranding Network, and we're partnering with NOAA on that one. Uh, we've set aside funding for oysters, so we're partnering with Wildlife and Fisheries. They'll take the lead on um, on doing some oyster projects this year. Uh, and uh, so each of those projects are they're moving forward uh, and they're they're advancing. The TIG approved five different plans this year, which was tremendous, almost a little over nine hundred million dollars totally, and that included projects for bird habitat, for oysters, and for marine mammals as well as other projects that we've talked about that are restoring the habitat that was out there. Uh, so that was a couple of projects that are included there, Spanish Pass and the Lake Bourne Marsh Creation Project. So it's, it's about creating the marsh, but it's also about uh, and barrier islands and ridges and wetlands, but it's also providing uh, habitat and enhancements for uh, those specific injuries to specific populations like birds and turtles or birds and oysters and marine mammals. Well, Greg, it's, it's certainly um, so impressive to hear all of the progress that was made and, and is being made on the restoration front. Certainly the importance of our uh, natural buffers, our, our multiple lines of defense uh, came, you know, really to the center of attention this year with, with the hurricane season. Um, I believe some something like seven storms impacted Louisiana. I believe we had five landfalls. So in addition to these projects, both on the protection and restoration front that you are planning kind of for years and, and kind of working towards implementation, you all had to do a lot of rapid response this year, right? In terms of the number of storms that were impacting our coastal areas. So tell us a little bit about that and how you juggled, you know, just this really intense storm season. Yeah. So uh, I, and I, I guess that was the, the, the third act of the, the year. So we had the first act where we, we uh, had, uh, a lot of really good momentum behind Queen Bess and the the announcements, and then COVID hit, and then Act Three was really uh, when when storm season started to pick up, and uh, we we've uh, obviously never seen anything like storm season this year. So, and and we've talked about it before at at CPRA board meetings and at other meetings, but when us in advance of a storm, our folks really get busy. Uh, in the preparation mode, um, across coastal Louisiana, there's over 680 gates that are part of our hurricane protection systems, either in New Orleans or uh, Terrebonne, Lafourche, uh, Jefferson Parish, St. Bernard. And um, we, we work with the levee districts and the parishes who operate those gates. But we also uh, work with numerical modelers who give estimates 
they take data that comes in from NOAA and they make estimates uh, that are specific to locations where the gates are that we can model and then provide that information to the folks who operate those gates. So the gates are operated when a water level reaches a certain uh, elevation and or when a wind level. So we get the wind projection forecast from uh, folks like NOAA and smart folks like Steve Caparata and uh, who, who understand that part. We also provide the, the water level information to the users who open and close those gates. So uh, we're working hard on the front end. We're also fielding requests as part of our GOSEP EOC function, folks who need pumps or sandbags. And we're also staying in close coordination with the parishes. So we worked real closely uh, for Grand Isle, for instance, where the dune was impacted. Uh, we, we ordered and helped procure sandbags and partnered with the folks at the Louisiana National Guard and Jefferson uh, Jefferson Parish and the town of Grand Isle to get those out on the dune to protect those houses in those areas. We helped pre-position and stage pumps kind of across the coast. We, um, you know, Cameron Parish, kind of lower Cameron, uh, was challenged with high water a number of times. And then post-storm, we worked on a number of things. Uh, Grand Isle, obviously, that's a project that we've talked about. But over in southwest Louisiana, we cut a couple of channels to facilitate drainage in, in combination where uh, with where pumps were located to help lower that water level. So Craig, of course, there was so much progress despite all the obstacles in 2020. And I think we're ready to close the books on this year. So let's give us some, some something to look forward to in 2021. You all have a number of exciting projects that are moving forward. Um, what's coming up in 2021? What can we look forward to? Sure. Again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of lot of the uh, habitat restoration projects, dredging projects, will be coming out uh, to bid. The Lake Bourne project, uh, Golden Triangle Marsh Creation project. Uh, some of our collaborators will be will be advertising some projects. The a NOAA project in the Barataria Basin. Uh, we anticipate the uh, first quarter of next year, the draft EIS for the Mid-Barataria Sediment Diversion will be public, and we'll be seeking comments from the public on that, uh, as well as uh, completion, probably our, our signature project next year that'll be completing the Bayou Shane uh, Floodgate Project. So just a diversity of projects that'll be going on uh, across the coast from, from Cameron to St. Bernard Parish. So no shortage of work in the year to come, of course. Um, we have to thank you and all of the staff at CPRA and all your contractors who have you know, worked through these odds, these obstacles, you know, everything from the pandemic to an unprecedented hurricane season and have, you know, just like as you've articulated earlier, really making great progress, getting projects on the ground and no, no stop in next year. So um, hope you all get a good break, a good rest. And then we're excited to come back in 2021 and hear about more great work that's happening. So, so thank you so much, Greg. And thanks to everyone at CPRA. We hope you have Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, and here's to a better 2021 with a lot of great work ahead. Thank you, Jock and Simone. Looking looking forward to working with you guys in the new year, and, uh, and Merry Christmas to all. And uh, just uh, want to say Happy Holidays, and everybody stay safe, particularly to all the, all the folks we collaborate with, the, the local, state, federal agencies, parishes, levy districts, NGOs, academics, and, and uh, the public and the landowners. Thank you very much. And everybody have a happy new year. And I love that last you know response because it just shows how much you work with so many people across the coast, you know, from the policymakers, stakeholders, community officials, NGOs, academics, scientists, you, you guys touch it all. And, and I think it just shows how 
the coast really touches all of us. So Greg, before I let you go, we have to, you know, ask a fun question. You know, it's a, 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 a tradition here on Delta Dispatches. So I don't know if we've actually asked you this in the past. It is a favorite question around this time of year. And I know that our past listeners have very strong opinions about uh, this this question. So I have to ask, and forgive me, let me know if we already asked you this before, but your favorite Christmas movie, what is it? Oh, my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, I, it's got to be It's a Wonderful Life. I, I just, uh, I, I love Jimmy Stewart and I, I love the whole, uh, I love the entire movie. That is absolutely my favorite Okay. Well, you did not, you know, weigh in on the controversy. Um, You know, Chairman Chip Klein and I both really enjoy National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Simone really does not understand our love of that movie. I think she's more (laughs) of a, a Home Alone girl herself, but I like that you went with a classic. Yeah, well, that that would have been a close second, but uh, I I don't understand uh, Simone's objection to it, but uh, uh, it's it's got to be It's a Wonderful Life. That's a great movie and a great answer. Well, thank you so much, Greg. Again, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. You got some rest and we look forward to hearing more from you uh, in 2021. Thank you. You guys have a great holiday. Thanks, Simone. Thanks, Jacques. Thank you. All right. Well, it is time for our Coastal Stat of the Week. Um, This week's Coastal Stat is very appropriate to our conversation. Since its creation in 2007, CPRA and its partners have dredged and pumped more than 157 million cubic yards of sediment to benefit 48,000, close to 49,000 acres of coastal habitat, created 60 miles of coastal barrier islands and berms, and improved 336 miles of levees. So thank you again for visiting us, Greg, and we'll be right back with another segment of Delta Dispatches. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund, and I am excited to close out 2020, close out episode 150 of Delta Dispatches with our friends from the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana. They've been on the show before, but they're back to share some exciting updates with us. Marissa Wenty, Development and Membership Director, and James Karst, Communications and Marketing Director with the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana. Welcome back, y'all. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And congrats on the 150th episode. That's awesome. Thank you. You know, Simone and I joke all the time that we didn't know where this was going to go, but we're excited (laughs) that we're here. And we were talking about it in our last uh, segment with Greg Grandy from CPRA. There can't stop, won't stop over there at CPRA. And I guess we're can't stop, won't stop um, here on Delta Dispatches. So let's just say that'll be the motto for for 2021. But speaking of uh, 2020, you know, we know it's been a roller coaster for everyone. How are y'all doing? Are you staying safe and sane and all those things? I like to think so. Yeah, as, as best we can, you know, just one day at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's been a weird year. Um, we've had to push back events and cancel some events, you know, at least for a time. But uh, things are starting to get back to normal. And I think everybody um, is looking toward 2021 with a lot of optimism, uh, you know, only way to go is up. Exactly. Yeah. And I was about to say, uh, I like that motto can't stop, won't stop. And especially when it comes to coastal restoration, 
and this insane hurricane season that we've just had, you know, that's a really great way of looking at it. Can't stop, won't stop. Because if we do, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's only bad news. So can't stop, won't stop. I like that. <laughs> exactly. Well, maybe we'll have to get it on a, a t-shirt or a bumper sticker for 2021. But, uh, but yeah, I hear you one day at a time. Um, and I know that there've been a number of curveballs thrown our way, your way. Um, but there's still a lot of progress that you all have been making. So what's been going on over at the coalition, despite the roller coaster of 2020? Um, we've actually, um, you know, in spite of everything, have had a lot of progress and some good things to report. Um, I'm going to just bog down with some stats really quick. In the past year, we've actually had um, some really great impact. I'm just going to say that we have reached, we have surpassed um, through our oyster shell recycling program, which we'll get into later in the segment, some of the details, but we have surpassed the 10 million pound mark of recycled oyster shells. So um, I'm just going to say that we use these oyster shells to create natural living reefs and shorelines. Um, and we have successfully recycled more than 10 million pounds, which is a huge feat. Um, so I'm, I'm proud of our organization for that one. That is a lot of Ersters. Um, and yes, <laughs> so for those, you know, I know we've highlighted the Oyster Shell Recycling Program in the past, but for those who may be just tuning in, give us a little bit of an overview. Like, how does the program work? So when you say you you recycle 10 million pounds, like, what does that all entail? So um, through our Oyster Shell Recycling Program, we partner with New Orleans area restaurants. Um and we use the shell that you know customers eat. I know that sounds gross, but we clean them, dry them, and then we rebag them, and then deploy them into back into the water in order to create reefs. So, the program was um, initially launched in June of 2014. It's the first of the of its kind in Louisiana, which which is huge. Um, and so, you know, with those oyster shells, they create natural living shorelines, like I said, but they also just organically grow as um, colch and other oysters glom onto it. So they continue to um, increase in size, which then helps to prevent erosion during hurricane seasons and flooding. So um, all of these Restaurants that we partner with are a huge support to this organization um, in, in terms of, you know, supplying the oyster shells. So that's it's such a great program. And I know, you know, way to engage the, the restaurants, consumers, of course, benefit the environment, volunteers, all of those things. How many restaurants are involved? And do you want to I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but do you want to give a shout out to some of the, the restaurants that do participate in case folks want to go and enjoy some oysters over the holiday break? Yeah, absolutely. So currently, um, because of COVID, and I'm sure this is not a new um, thing, you know, we've had to decrease our um, our restaurant partnerships for now. And then as we get more and more into uh, back into our OSRP um, collection. So we have seven current restaurants that are participating. So I'm going to give a shout out to a few of those. It's Cooter Browns, Pesh, Seaworthy, uh, Legion Seafood at St. Rock, Superior Seafood. Nola Creole Cookery, also. Nola Creole Cookery, yeah. yeah. Thanks, James. 
That's great. So people can go enjoy delicious oysters and help the coast all at the same time. Yeah, it's a win-win. <laughs> so James, tell us, I know you've also deployed a number of reefs, including I think one this year, correct? So tell us a little bit about where the reefs are and how they've been deployed and just what that kind of experience has been like. Yeah, so um, it, it's been a really interesting narrative uh, kind of around the pandemic where we had to um, you know, everything shut down uh, once social distancing requirements were put in place and such. But even before that, we had difficulty getting the uh, the steel baskets that we use to hold oyster uh, when we deploy it into the water uh, because the, the baskets are made in China and that factory had to shut down before the pandemic had even reached American shores. So, you know, the whole program kind of ground to a halt uh, on some levels, but we were able to uh, resume uh, work on what is our third reef in Barataria Bay uh, using a private contractor. Um, so we didn't have large numbers of volunteers, but we had a contractor uh, who worked on it for us. Um, that reef, as I said, is in Barataria Bay. Um, we built uh, a reef last year in Poinichen, um in Terrebonne Parish, uh, and that is a community reef that we uh, built with a tribe the tribe there uh, to protect a site that is important uh, to them. And then we built our first reef in the Biloxi Marsh. We have a, a fourth reef uh, on the drawing board. Uh, it'll be in Plaquemines Parish, uh, and we intend to build it next year. Uh, it'll be another community reef. And um, yeah, it's just a very exciting time. You know, we, we were slowed down, I think you could say, by the pandemic, uh, like everyone else in 2020. But, uh, you know, kept going at it and, uh, yeah, had some major accomplishments. That's great. And, uh, you know, I, I know the program is continuing into 2021. So any exciting news you want to share about what's next for the Oyster Shell Recycling Program? Uh, Marissa can talk to you about our celebration, which is, a, which is going to be a huge, uh, it's going to be a really fun event and, uh, you know, great food and music. And uh, yeah, I'll let Marissa explain that to you. Good deal. Um, so for um, our celebration, we had to take it virtual, but you know, I think that has a positive component as well because more participants can um, attend and um, you know participate. So what we're doing is we are partnering with Oysters XO. It is an oyster shucking tutorial. Uh, class that you could participate in. So if you sign up, you get 36 oysters delivered to your house with two uh, shucking knives, a towel, and then you can tune in and Oysters XO will teach you how to shuck your own, own oysters. Along with that, we are also partnering with Sweet Crew. They're going to give us some, some good New Orleans vibes to um, accompany this oyster shucking class. We also have some New Orleans restaurant uh, shuckers that are going to be facing off with one another in a shuck off. So that'll be that'll be entertaining for sure. And then along with that, we have a raffle if you want to participate as a, sh a shucker going against one of these New Orleans shuckers. Um, so we have a lot of a lot of good stuff coming up. But um, celebration is a, a community oriented event dedicated to, you know, creating awareness, engagement, and then obviously raising funds for this important program. 
That is so cool. And I mean, I just love that you all are making it work despite, you know, whatever restrictions or, you know, obstacles. And you're right, like this really is an exciting way for so many people to participate, um, folks that wouldn't have been able to otherwise. So I just think that's a great uh, event that you have coming up. Where can people get more details about the celebration, sign up to, to attend, all that good stuff? So you can go to crcl.org um, and then visit our celebration link um, and find out more. You can purchase tickets along with the raffle if you would like to participate in the shock off. We're also raffling off some wonderful items. Uh, we have an oyster painting as well as some New or local New Orleans whiskey. Um, and, you know, during a pandemic, there's nothing like some whiskey. So <laughs> exactly. We all need some for our eggnog and all of that good stuff. Exactly. So great, great, um, you know, prizes there. One more time. Remind us, when is the celebration? It is February 5th. Awesome. So we'll definitely have to remind folks about that as we come into 2021. So what else uh, is coming up for CRCL in 2021? I, I know um, you all have made some uh, announcements about State of the Coast. Um, you know, you have volunteer events that are happening safely again. So what, what are y'all are y'all looking forward to next year? Yeah, uh, State of the Coast is going to be a virtual event. Um, it is really the premier gathering um, for uh, coastal restoration uh, pe people in that sector. Um, it's normally at the convention center, but because of the pandemic, it's going virtual, but it's going to be a really uh, interesting and exciting thing. Um, we're hoping to have a great list of uh, plenary speakers and uh, timely presentations. Uh, it, it's going to be really good. There are, of course, sponsorships available, um, and uh, we will have updated information on the program and on the theme and on uh, admission uh, soon. We also uh, were able to resume our volunteer events uh, this month, and uh, we have more scheduled for next month. We've been planting trees. Uh, we'll be at the Moripaw uh, Land Bridge uh, on the way to Ponchatoula, if you're coming from New Orleans, uh, in January. And uh, later in January, we'll be at Fort St. Philip planting more trees, and uh, then the Central Wetlands Unit uh, in Violet and then back in uh, Moripaw Swamp in February. Uh, we also have um, a lot of new partnerships. Uh, you know, we're a coalition after all. Um, so we have uh, a bunch of partners, including uh, artist Alex Beard, uh, artist Marjorie Pearson. Uh, we've teamed up with Dirty Coast, uh, Nola Couture, uh, River Basin Distillery, the New Orleans Steamboat Company, Orvis, Sarah Ott, Urban South, uh, many, many others who have been great partners, and I'm sure we'll have some new partnerships uh, next year. Um, Marissa, you want to tell everybody about the virtual store? Yeah, so I also want to give a shout out to uh, Old 77 Hotel, Off the Hook, and Swan River Yoga. They have been longstanding partners um, of CRCL and MRD um, for a good while. So greatly appreciate their support and um but so we have some exciting news crcl has created its own virtual store um uh, we have tumblers hats uh we have some masks available uh those aren't seeming to go out of style anytime soon so you can get your own boar mask uh we have um 
the link to the Dirty Coast t-shirt that was created by Dirty Coast. It is um, um, a really, it's a really nice and comfy tee. So um, yeah, if you want to check that out, you can also go to crcl.org and see our virtual store. Um, it's a good time to go shopping and to give back. I love that. And, you know, um, so many awesome partners that you highlighted, uh, certainly Dirty Coast. Of course, you know, the old 77 Hotel and Chandlery here in New Orleans has been such a great partner of CRCL, but also our Restore the Mississippi River Delta Coalition, as have um, Off the Hook and Swan River Yoga. So huge thanks to all of those. And, you know, go check out the store. You still have a few days left to get your Christmas shopping in. Of course, you know, uh, even if you get it late, uh, you'll, there's still a lot of opportunities to give presents uh, going into 2021. So it's so cool that y'all are doing that. I love the masks. Um, you know, the masks are not masks you will see anywhere else. So I highly recommend you go and, and get some. Um, so that's really exciting. Thank you all for being on to talk about the progress that you've made in 2020, despite all the odds, what we can look forward to in 2021. Any other news you want to share with us before we get to our fun question? I just want to say that, you know, as we're speaking of, you know, holiday Christmas shopping, uh, the oyster shell or the celebration ticket is a great Christmas present. You know, you can feed your heart and your soul <laughs> or your stomachs and your soul. So awesome. Well, it is time for the fun question. And you two have the honor of getting our last fun question of 2020 on Delta Dispatches. We'll keep it holiday themed. Uh, we asked Greg about his favorite holiday or Christmas movie. Um, so I'll ask you all, what is your favorite holiday carol or song? I, I love, you know, I love Louis Armstrong and I love, uh, is that you, Santa Claus? That's a classic. Good answer. Keeping it local too. Yeah. All I can think of is I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, but it's not necessarily my favorite. <laughs> hey, you know, maybe it's your favorite at the moment and that, that counts. So. <laughs> I could, we could also ask favorite holiday cocktail or, you know, favorite, you know, uh, winter comfort food. So maybe we'll save that for 2021, but James, Marissa, go. thank you so much for being on. We'd love to have you all back on next year to talk more about the celebration, to talk about, State of the Coast, volunteer events, and everything else that you all have going on. Huge shout out to everyone at the Coalition of Store Coast Louisiana for great work, despite all the odds, as we keep saying. And we hope you all have a safe and happy and restful holiday season and that 2021 brings us a lot of joy. Thank you, Jacques. You too. Awesome. Well, it is time for our last Coastal Voice of the Week of 2020. Um, the honors of this go to Vicki in Simpson, Louisiana. Vicki says, I support the coast because I love Louisiana's wildlife and those animals need their homes. The vegetation, the land itself, the trees, all of it provides habitat for wildlife. Well, thank you, Vicki. And if you would like to share your coastal voice of the week, um, go to restore, go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash restore dash the dash coast. Um, we might just read it on an upcoming episode. So we have to close out our 2020 uh, Delta Dispatches episode. Huge thanks to our listeners. Thank you for sticking with us through all of this and really wishing that uh, the new year brings you and your family peace, health, joy, prosperity, and that we can continue to do the important work of helping restore Louisiana's coast and protect all the things that um, that it does protect. So, so thank you for listening and we will truly see y'all again in 2021. See y'all later, alligators. <laughs> <laughs>